You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. We are starting a six-week sermon series called You've Heard It Said. Jesus is going to say, but I say to you, he's going to say that 16 times in this sermon. But I say to you, you've heard it said. You've heard it said. There are so many opinions on, on what it means to follow God. Have you, have you noticed that? So many opinions on what it means to live for God, what, what it means to be Christian, what it means to be devout, what it, you know, whatever, however you want to have that conversation. There's so many opinions. You've, you've probably heard it said somewhere how you should follow God, how you should honor him, how you should live for him. Must have been true of that time too. Must have been true 2,000 years ago. There, there must have been a few opinions out there because Jesus wants to set the record straight. You've heard it said, he says. So this is a six-week series. Uh, we won't get into all the nitty-gritty. There'll be parts of this Sermon on the Mount. You'll be like, oh, I was hoping you're going to talk about that piece because I've got questions. You could always ask those questions. Uh, Dave, I do have an answer, I think, for your question though it won't fit into the sermon today. Um, But kind of like Mission Ridge style, we we sometimes take a look at either a book or or in this case, three chapters, but we're going to stay still, you know, kind of uh, at the tree line level. We won't be quite 50,000 feet, you know, from, you know, Google Earth level, but we'll be at the the tree line level looking at the tops of the... the, uh, topography, the landscape, and noticing big themes and, 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 and the larger conversation that Jesus is ha- having with us as his disciples. This week will serve as an introduction to the sermon. We'll, we'll get into the first part of, uh, of Jesus' sermon, uh, and, uh, but we'll also need to talk about context some. And to do that, we're going to use the Bible project. Let's go ahead and go to uh, this slide. This is a lot of data, a lot of information. You, you probably can't read that from here. What I have a tendency to do is, is go to Bible project and one, watch their videos. There's two videos that covers all of Matthew. And two, I will print this off on 11 by 17. That's hard to do when you don't have an office and you're mobile. I haven't quite got there yet, but I love having these up on the wall so I could just kind of stare at it. This is, this is like a, a map of Matthew and, and the Bible Project does an amazing job. We will, we will uh, post uh, this into Slack for those of you who, who like to use Slack. And uh, we'll also post the video, uh, just the, the first video for this so you can pay attention. 
But um, some things that we need to pay attention to Matthew's larger conversation. All right. He's going to present Dave, uh, Jesus as the new David. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide. The Messiah is from the line of David. And so within the first chapter, he's going he's to talk about the lineage of Jesus and present Jesus as the as Messiah coming from the lineage of David. Now, I want you to think about how David starts his kingdom. He's anointed as king. Is he king yet? No, no. He gets to run, run away from Saul, right? For years, he's, he's in the desert and, and people, are, people are chasing him. And, and people are coming to him. First Samuel 22 says, everyone who was, dis- who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was disconnected gathered to him and he became captain over them. Now there were about 400 men with him. So this is David and, and the start of, of his kingdom. Tell me you don't see some connection to Jesus in the way he establishes his kingdom. That, that people are chasing him, that people are threatening his life, that people are coming to him and they're not part of the establishment. establishment. Tell me you don't see some, some similarities between the way David establishes new kingdom, a better kingdom, and Jesus comes in and says, folks, we need to establish a better kingdom kingdom. Israel is failing. So that's part of the story. Let's go on to, uh, he's also going to present Jesus as the new Moses, as a new Moses. Moses comes out, comes out of Egypt. He crosses the Red Sea. He, he, he goes through a baptism as it were. Hebrews is going to talk about that. He's in the wilderness for 40 years. He, he goes up onto Mount Sinai. He receives the law. Jesus ends up going into Egypt. He comes out of Egypt and then goes through the baptism waters, right? Oh, wait, when he comes out of Egypt, he's in the desert for 40, like he's in the desert for 40 days. Like there's all these connections that Matthew's trying to connect Jesus to Moses, Jesus to to David. In Deuteronomy 18, we see these words, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen, you shall listen to him. So Matthew wants us to understand that not only is Jesus the, the new king, he's the prophet like Moses, he's the better king and he's the better prophet. He is the Messiah that embodies both prophet and king. So this is part of the narrative that Matthew is presenting. And he should, because this is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. And think about Moses and Mount Sinai. He goes up on the mountain. He meets with God. And when he comes down from the mountain, he has to teach the people how they're going to live within this kingdom. Right? 
what Moses receives from God that day is radically different. They're going to live radically different as, as a nation. Their calendar is going to be different. They have all these festivals now. Their watch, their uh, clock is going to be different. They, their, their day starts at sundown while our day starts at sunrise. Their diet will be different. Their, their dress, the way they dress themselves will be different. The way they cut their hair is different. But the biggest difference is ethically. Israel will be ethically different, radically different. They will live radically different lives when Moses comes off of the mountain. And we got to understand that that's what's happening here in the Sermon on the Mount. Because in Matthew 5, 1 and 2, we read these words. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Okay, so God's up on the mountain. And the, the, the disciple or the disciples, Moses comes up. The disciples that will teach people how to live for this new king, this the son of God. Matthew is connecting these stories. This is a Mount Sinai moment. And we are to live radically different because of what Jesus is going to say in his sermon. It's the, it's the message within the message. This is what Matthew is doing with the way he tells his story. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and began to teach. Now this moment is foretold in Isaiah chapter two. It will come about that in the last days, the mountain, the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it and many peoples will come and say, come, let's go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways. Does that remind you of the, Mount, the Sermon on the Mount at all? That we may walk in his paths. All the nations are going to come to this mountain, to this moment where Jesus is saying, this is how we're going to live for the kingdom. For the law will go forth from Zion and the world and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. My friends, our lives are to be radically different because of the words that we hear from Jesus from this great sermon. Our lives are be radically as different as their lives were for the, the people of Israel when they were at Mount Sinai, as different as it was for them, our lives are to be different because of this sermon. Jesus is going to communicate so many important things in the sermon. This is, it's, he's brilliant. He, Jesus is brilliant and you should totally follow him. That's, uh, that's all I got to say about that. So 
let's jump into the text. Let's jump into the introduction of this great sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle for they shall inherit their earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecute the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt becomes tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but under a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is, this is the first 19 verses of this great sermon. And we're going we're to talk about one more verse, but we'll, we'll take a pause here and just take a look at what we just saw. Talk a little bit about what we just saw. Again, Jesus is, is establishing a, a new kingdom like David. And David had, had, had the, the down and outers coming to him. Jesus had the down and outers, the people that, that didn't quite make the grade, the people that, that quite, didn't quite live up to the, to the standards, especially religiously. Jesus has invited in the prostitutes and the tax collectors. He's, he's healed lepers. He makes the unclean clean. These are the people that are being invited in. Like, like the, the down and outers of, of David's goofy band of people that become the mighty men. These are the people that, that he's talking to. And so he's, uh, let's go to the next, next slide. And so we have this. This chiasm, uh, Marty Solomon identified this chiasm. I, I didn't identify this myself. Uh, Marty's brilliant. And so if he says something's good to look at, I, I trust him. Um, but he says, who, who, who inherits the kingdom of heaven? Those who are poor in spirit. Those who are morally bankrupt. Those who, those who mourn. The gentle those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, but they're not seeing it. Like they want it, 
They wish they had it. They're not sure how to get there. But also the merciful, the, the, the pure in heart, the people there aren't hiding. They're, they're not like, they're not, they don't look really good, but they're not hiding the fact that they don't look really good. They're pure in heart. They're fumbling all over the place, but they're honest. Uh, what was the quote by Gandalf? He's a fool, but he's an honest fool. Something like that. Same thing. The peacemakers, people trying to figure it out. And he says, oh, by the way, if you can live within my kingdom, guess what? People aren't going to like it. People don't like it when, when uh, you know, the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> they don't like it when the poor get, become rich. They don't like it when the outsiders become insiders. They, somehow we, we fight against that. It's, the established don't like it when the unestablished show up and, and suddenly they're, they're moving to the front of the line. They, they don't like that. And uh, persecution seems to happen now that. Now, if there's a chiasm, that means there's, there's, a, there's a bookend. Let's take a look at the next slide. And the bookend is kingdom of heaven. This is about a conversation of what it means to be in the kingdom of heaven. And, and this is the part of the sermon that the disciples are like, yeah, I'm in. I was a D minus student all my life, maybe an F plus, but I belong here. I've never belonged anywhere in my life, but I belong here. No one's ever accepted me, but I'm accepted here. <clears throat> That's a great introduction to your sermon, Jesus. I love this about your kingdom. I want this to be true. <clears throat> it's a reminder to you and I who we should be inviting in, by the way. We need to be inviting in the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the, the, the gentle, not the, not the bold and the brash, but the meek, the mild, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, but can't figure out how to make that happen. That's who we should be inviting in. If this is the bookends of the chiasm, let's look at the center of the chiasm because that's the good stuff, right? That's the part that we need to look for and wrestle with. What does this mean? I will always look that way. Logan, I'm so sorry. <laughs> The camera, if you don't know, our camera points to this direction and points to this screen. If I point to this guy over here, no one knows what I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm a old dog, and this is a new trick. At the center of this chiasm, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you belong in this kingdom, even if you haven't figured out how to, how to be righteous yet. If you hunger and thirst for it, you long for it. If you're already righteous, you're not hungry for it. Right? If you're already righteous, you're like, yeah, that's old, old hat. But if you long for righteousness, I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you remember that moment to where your world was so upside down and you knew it. And God was as far away from you as you could possibly imagine. At least that's what it felt like. I've sat in the church pew before knowing that everybody had to know what kind of a failure I was and how broken I was 
and, and, and knowing what I did the night before and, and I was ashamed, wishing I would have made a different choice, but I wanted different. And Jesus says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're invited in. Come in. This is for you. And I don't think he whispers it. He says, this is for you. Come in. This, my kingdom is for you. But my friends, who receives mercy? The merciful. In a doggy dog world, in a world that likes to dominate and control and manipulate and overpower, be stronger than, be richer than, be better than. Jesus says, that's not what wins in this kingdom. Mercy does. If you want, if you want to receive mercy from your father in heaven, if you want to be part of this kingdom, you got to start doling out mercy. Mercy is the currency. This is what wins here. It's not, not, not might. It's not the bigger bank account. God doesn't care about those things. He doesn't need your might and he doesn't need your bank account. But if you have a merciful heart, he could do something with that. But then he goes on to talk about the fact that we need to be salt and light. Yes, Yes, I've called you out of that life. I've called you away from the life that uh, you're living, the, the, the destruction of your own desires. And, and I've called you, you know, from being a tax collector, I've called you out of prostitution. I've called you out of, out of addiction. But you are to be salt. And you are to be light. Think in terms of like, have you ever, have you ever been at the table and who, who here likes salt? Like me, <laughs> oh, I love me some good salt, right? Uh, my hypertension doesn't like my salt. Uh, have you ever taken, grab a salt shaker and you're like shaking it over there and then put the salt shaker down, you take a bite and you're like, wait a minute, uh, where's the salt? And so then you grab the salt shaker and you start shaking it over your hand, right? Just to see if anything's coming out. And then you think about taking the top off. So you, like, that's what Jesus is saying. Like people should notice that there's something different about you because of the kingdom. They should taste something different in their experience with you. Like salt changes food and such. I talked about pork last week. This week I'll be talking about salt. <laughs> Make you guys hungry. I'll be in so much trouble. If the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? He's, he's calling us to, the, to a higher standard. Yes, we're a bunch of misfits, but we're a bunch of misfits that are going to live out this kingdom and we're going to do it well. The, the kingdom that we're replacing is, you know, David replaced Saul's kingdom with a bunch of misfits. They became mighty men. We are to become the mighty men of Jesus starting out a bunch of misfits so that the world experiences something different. You are the light of the world, he says. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
as individuals, we can't hide the fact that, that we follow Christ, that we're part of this kingdom. We don't act one way here and another way out there. We are light and people should see that light. But corporately together as a community, we're to provide safety because that's what light does. Light provides safety. It, it highlights things. It lets you see things that, that are dangerous and see things that are, that are true. So the world's to be blessed through our actions. Jesus says to this rabble rouser group called disciples. But then Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law. And I think Christians, sometimes we get this wrong. We, we, have, a, we have a backwards view or, or an upside down view of the law. We think it's so bad that the Jews had to follow the law. James calls it the law of liberty. That's in the New Testament, folks. <laughs> we should probably pay attention to that. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. I'm not replacing it. Yes, I'm inviting you in. Yes, yes, you've gotten it wrong. Yes, you've failed. You've made mistakes. Yes, you got on the wrong path. But mercy's gonna be the trump card here. And we're gonna fulfill the law together. That's his message. He says, you have a part in that. I'm going to fulfill the law and you have a part in that too. And then he finishes with this verse. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. I told you at the beginning of this introduction, the disciples are like, yeah, we're invited in. And when Jesus gets to this statement, unless your righteousness surpasses that of Mother Teresa, unless your righteousness surpasses that of Billy Graham, how are we doing? You will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. We liken this sermon, 20 verses in. How's this feeling, folks? And we're just at the introduction. We're just at the introduction. Where I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees get a bad rap. These folks tried. Coming out of Babylon, they created uh, a, a, a teaching system. Uh, they, they created synagogue, which is for the children. And their children were memorized the first five books of the Bible. Raise your hand if you've had your children memorize the first five of anything of the Bible. <laughs> Not me. Like the first five books of the Bible, Jesus wept is my best 
memorized verse right now. I'm losing it. I've had longer verses, but. The scribes and the Pharisees, they fasted twice a week. They tithed everything that grew in their garden. The smallest of herbs, they tithed it like, this is yours, this is mine. They fasted twice a week. They made their children memorize the first five books of the Bible. That was their education system. And if our righteousness doesn't surpass theirs, we are not getting into the kingdom of heaven. Oh my Lord. That's a problem. I hope that you feel that. Because I know the disciples did. So two things I want to say about this. Uh, One is that our righteousness will never be enough for us to get into heaven. You know, every religion, major religion out there requires you to do. It's performance-based. Judaism has 613 laws. They didn't, the the ancients didn't think that was enough. So they expanded that to 3,000 laws to explain the 613 laws. Maybe you've worked for someone like that or had a sibling that would take 600 laws and expand them to (laughs) 3,000. They're fun to work for, aren't they? They work so hard to be seen as righteous. But Jesus' grace says, I choose you. See, mercy and grace has always been part of the kingdom. Always been part of the kingdom. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Our ability to enter the kingdom is not based upon our righteousness exceeding someone else's righteousness, it's based upon us receiving the righteousness of Christ. That, my friends, is good news. We are not being graded on a bell curve. I've, I've failed at more bell curves than I care to admit. The classes that, were at, that I learned the most in college are the ones that I failed the hardest. And my report card still says NAF. It is by grace that you are saved through faith. That's what this kingdom is built on mercy. This kingdom is built on grace. But there's another reality to this statement that Jesus says, and that, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, there's another thing that we need to consider here. See, his grace says, I choose you. But his truth says, I chose you to be salt and light. 
I chose you to fulfill the law. Through Christ, we can do that. Now I quoted you Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. See, we have good works to live out because we're not fighting to get into the kingdom. We are not working to get into the kingdom. We're just working because we're part of the kingdom. We're working because we're already in. We're not trying to prove that we belong. We're just living out the kingdom values and we're inviting other people. We need mercy. So we need to show mercy. Because we're forgiven. And so we extend the forgiveness that we've received. Can I get an amen? You've heard it said. You've heard it said, but I say unto you. In the Sermon on the Mount introduction, Jesus calls you to live radically different. The rest of the sermon explains how. So keep coming back. We have five more, five more conversations to have. You are called to live radically different. Jesus is going to tell you how. Just know that mercy is a key ingredient. We've received mercy and we are to give mercy. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.